Okay, B'Shem Hashem Na'asem Natsuyach. We wanted to wish everybody a very happy, healthy, and meaningful Shavuot. We're going to do the Zera Shimshon and another couple of ideas on Megillat Rut. The Zer Shimshon brings a very interesting pasuk. He says, in chapter 2 of Megillat Rut, it says, Yeshalem Hashem Pa'alech V'tiyem Maskurech Shalema. So, we said that, uh, I apologize, it says that, Asher Yiksurun V'alachta Achem Alos When Boaz meets up with the Rut, he says, I have ordered the young men not to molest you. So he says, keep your eyes on the field which they are harvesting and follow them. And if you get thirsty, you can have my water. Question here the Zerashim Shon asks is, why would the employees of Boaz want to, God forbid, molest a Jewish woman that was a widow and her and she was collecting money money for another widow Naomi cuz her husband Elimelech passed away and the Torah is very scary what it says if you molest a um, God forbid a uh, widow. And what does it have to do with the beginning of the Pasuk? That she says, go after them. So he brings a fascinating halacha that I actually learned a while ago. And that is, is that by the mitzvah of uh, Shekha, there's three parts of the A poor man and woman, they're allowed to collect three different uh, types of agricultural things from Jewish fields. One, is called, one of them is called peya, a corner. One of them is called leket. One of them is called shikha. The Mishnah in chapter 6 of peya says that kol shob about tashuv shikha, shen about tashuv shikha. Whenever the Torah says, go, don't go back. And basically, the mitzvah shikha is as such. A Jewish farmer may forget, or his employees may forget a bundle of wheat when, when they're harvesting and putting everything in the back of the wagon. If something fell down or they forgot about it, it says, don't go back and collect it, leave it for the poor people. But let's say two people were harvesting together and they were facing each other. And one in the middle, one was coming from the left, one was coming from the right. The Mishnah clearly says there that that's not considered shechecha if one of them was forgotten because the other employee, let's say Reuben said, oh, I thought Shimon is going to pick it up. Shimon thought Reuben was going to pick it up. So... He says, this is the meaning of the Pasuk. Root said that, first of all, I want you to go behind my employees because it's never modest for a Jewish woman to walk in front of a Jewish man. 
And he, he said, even in such a case where the Mishnah says, there's a, Boaz was a very wealthy man and he had a lot of employees. So there technically wouldn't be a lot of shichicha, the Zerashim Shon says, in his fields. Because if they did forget one, they could always have the excuse that say that the halacha per, permits us to go back and collect it because I thought my friend was going to harvest that one that was uh, on, in, in the middle of both of our rows that we were harvesting and going ahead. But Boaz gave Ruth some very good what news. And he said, even though under strict halacha, It's uh, it should not be shechecha, but I'm going to tell my employees since you're my family that they should leave it behind, and they shouldn't give you a hard time if you want to pick it up, because I want to support you. Now, why the Zera Shimshon continues? Did he want to support her in such a ra- roundabout way? If he if he was really a good guy. And this was her cousin's, his cousin's wife that was really in a hard place. Why not just give her a handsome donation and not her have her chase in the fields like a beggar? Because it is embarrassing to, 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 to have to go collecting charity in the fields, take the leftovers of Boaz. Even though Boaz... Instru- was very, very noble and nice and said, you know, you're allowed to collect all this stuff even though halachically it's not considered shekha, we're going to be extra nice to you and let you take whatever you want even though I have a lot of employees and we could also always have an excuse. So he says that Boaz, this is something fascinating learning from the Zerashim Shon, he says that Kavanat Boaz The halacha is basically in Megillat Rud, what Boaz does is the mitzvah of Yibum. If God forbid a person has a brother that dies with no children, it's a mitzvah the other brother should marry their uh, wife, their brother's widow, to keep the name of the brother alive in the family. This mitzvah can even apply to cousins. So Machlon and Kilion had died because the Rambam says they left the Holy Land of Israel. And since they were such great tzaddikim, God was very particular about them. Because it says God is always more stringent, like the length of a hair the wind of a hair with Sadiqim. Now, the, there was another gentleman we read in Megillat Ruth, and I really, really uh, apologize, I forgot his name. Boaz was waiting on him to see whether he wanted to do Yibum. He wanted to take over the marriage of his cousin, and so also there's another mitzvah that if one of your family members we're going to get to it Elijah and Joshua 
in Yahushua, it's the piece of land that through a heavenly lottery was given to your family, and you should keep it, that's that portion of state of Israel, in the state of Israel where God gave to your family, you shouldn't sell it. And your cousins or brothers or uncles should help you redeem it. So, Machlon and Kilion also owned a lot of real estate that Boaz was waiting on Plony Almoni, what's his name actually? Plony Almoni was a closer relative to Ruth through her husband. But Plony Almoni said, I don't want to redeem my cousin, Machlon and Kilion, Ruth's, Ruth's deceased husband's property. Neither do I want to marry their wife and keep their name, his name alive. And the, you have to understand, parenthetically, the Zerashim Shon says, Mashiach always comes from the darkest places. We know that Mashiach has to come from the son of Yehuda Peretz, like we say in Lechadodi. Al yad ish ben partzi, venismecha ben agila. This also, Boaz knew that there was something messianic going on here. Because Ruth, great-grandson, is David Melech Yisrael Chayvakayam, but he said he doesn't want to jump the gun. He's going to let the person that has precedence take the offer or reject it. Once he saw that Ploni Almoni is not interested in this wonderful mitzvah of redeeming both the... um, fields of his cousin or continuing the marriage taking over the marriage of his cousin so he can leave a name a name alive for his cousin he said that he's going to take it over and he wanted one to be connected to the other which means he didn't want to do a half job he he made a condition with Plony Amon he said if you redeem the fields of Machlon, then also you need to marry Ruth. But if you don't, it's all or nothing. And it's a fascinating thing that the Midrash in Ruth says that previously it was a very shameful act to sell the godly land that was given through you through Joshua's lottery. Whoever would do that, the whole family would like kind of like not excommunicate him, but shame him. They say, shame on you. How can you go and be such a low life and sell this piece of land that is connected to your soul and was given to our family as our inheritance in the land of Israel? But on that glorious day when he would redeem the land, because if you read the Torah, you always have the chance to redeem the land, and take it back, they would throw a party. The same thing, if somebody was from a very, very righteous family, and he would go marry a woman that is not, that's very good looking, but from a very bad family, or a woman that's very good looking, but much older than him and can't have children. Again, the family would not be excited to attend 
the wedding of such a young man because he's only marrying not according to halakha. You always have to be married to have children from your wife, a boy and girl. A young man should not marry an old woman even if she's very rich. So in, inside the, this tribal society of the Jews, on one hand, the whole family was very excited if you married an appropriate woman, but on the other hand, a lot of the family would not come to the wedding if you kind of the same idea when a Kohen should only, the daughter of a Kohen should only marry a righteous person, not a ignoramus Jew that is not so careful in the laws. So what basically happens here is that Boaz wanted to tell Ploni Almoni that it's a great honor. Just like it's a great honor, they would throw a party when you had the integrity and knowledge to go redeem the land from the person that you sold it to. Because this land was through the lottery of the great successor of Moshe Rabbeinu Yehoshua given to your family while you sell it and get rid of something that was given to you by divine providence. But same thing, the reason why Boaz wanted to connect one redeeming the land was that he said he was a great shofet, he was a great had Ruach HaKodesh Boaz and said it's, don't think that Ruth is a substandard citizen and as a Jew we're not allowed to marry her because this was the whole controversy why they said David HaMelech also is a mamzer some of them and is we know that the terrible terrible person that has no pers- uh, portion in the world to come Doag HaAdomi said they were saying Lashon HaRa that just like the males we know, God bless my father's soul. The worst thing in the world is a person that has no gratitude, is ungrateful. He bites the hand that feeds it. Now, this nation that Ruth, Ruth is from is Moab. Moab, our patriarch, our for Avot, Avraham, the founder of Judaism, risked his life twice to save Lot, the father of the nation of Moab. Yet when we came to the Midbar Sinai, to the Sinai Desert, they hired Bil'am to curse us. That's shameful. So the Torah says forever and ever, a, a male that is from the land of Moab cannot marry a Jewish woman. But to the contrary, it's Moavit. A female can convert to Judaism and marry a Jewish man. It's only the males that are forbidden from joining the nation and marrying a Jewish woman. And why is that, the Gemara says? Because the God was expecting the Moabites to rush out and bring us cookies and chocolate chip cookies and milk and say, oh, you're our cousins, welcome, and we'll escort you to the land of Israel. But it's not modest for a woman to do that. It was the men that were ungrateful, not the women. So Boaz wanted to make something very crystal clear. Root through her dedication and not abandoning her mother-in-law, Naomi, is a very 
gallant, extravagant, righteous, and precious woman. And therefore, it would be a tremendous merit to marry her, not, God forbid, shameful. And we learn in the Halakha Shulchan Aruch, it says, We know that on Purim, we're allowed to, we must give at least one of our friends Mishloach Manot. But, a woman should not give a man, and vice versa, a man should not give a woman uh, gift baskets of food, because it may be considered like he wants to marry her if she's not married. And the Magen Avram says there very clearly, because we're worried that this is like kind of like an engagement ring. You know, halakhically, a lot of people don't know this. As long as you give something 10 cents or 25 cents, according to some opinions, to a woman and say, Hare, I'm at Mekudeshet Li. With this nickel, she's married to you. We give a ring because it's symbolic, Kabbalistically, of... Um, they're asking me a question here. It's symbolic... Of uh, no, Elijah. The answer to your question is is that first of all, it's not modest. Men should only be giving women. Women should only be giving men. And secondly, by you giving the woman a mishloach manot, it's much more appropriate to get. Permission from her parents that you want to seek her hand in marriage. Just, it's, it's, the, the Gemara says that if you just randomly meet a woman and you know that she's very immature and give her a ring without the parents' approval and you didn't look into her and you don't know um, if she's a, your soulmate and just on a whim, marriage is a lifelong, marriage is a lifelong uh, commitment. And I'm sorry, even though it's a different, a little bit different today, halachically, uh, it's a problem. Men should not send women mishloach manot, women should not send men mishloach manot. And this is why Boaz did not want to give, oh, the Zerashim Shon says such beautiful things. We know that Boaz was, was one of the most benevolent and giving people in the world. So why make his family member Ruth go like a beggar. The Zerah Shimshon basically says, he says that if he would invite Ruth to his house and give her, keep on sending her gifts, first of all, he would be usurping Ploni Almoni, which was ahead of him in line to marry Ruth. And secondly, this may be, this gift from him to her may be like an engagement and then force her or somehow be like a wedding ring for them to get married. So, but then, he said, he, this is a very important Zerashim Shon, because it's telling us that um, we shouldn't think that, um, God forbid, Boaz 
was not ki- taking care of Ruth. He was a very, very big Sadiq, and he's honestly the great-grandfather of our Mashiach. But he, he was limited halachically. For, by, he was had his hands tied behind his back. He also um, was, uh, was worried. Now, we don't want to get far on tangent here, Elijah, about if you bidyevid were mekayim the mitzvah of mishloach uh, manot with the opposite sex, we could do, give a class on that on modern halacha, our shalot to teshuvot classes. But let's f- focus on root. So the Zerashim Shon says he was worried that by sending her special gifts, it's both non-modest. Like the Allah says, we sh- we sh- a man should not send a woman mishloch manot, and also maybe like a proposal gift, asking him in marriage, and there was somebody ahead of him. So Boaz wanted to follow the rules as much as possible, and that's why it says that ultimately, yesh lo mar shohoyel shabotan shesh seorim bremez la shatitin letzet imena shisha banim shemitvachim b'shesh berachot. But he did send her six roasted um, pieces of, uh, it was like a dessert in the olden days, like popcorn. Instead of roasting corn, they would roast wheat. Because he said that there's going to be a day that um, when he gave her these, these six pop. Roasted um, pieces of barley. He says that she kavanato ha'ita shelo tavir kamel chamota. But Lord Atzalomar la kedeshotir mashvamad. He said, "Don't go empty-handed to your mother-in-law Naomi, which was also a very noble woman." But again, he was very concerned about this thing about the halacha of mishloach manot. That if he sends her a lot of gifts, it's like he's proposing to her. And it may kind of be like a wedding gift and like the ring, and then she would be, kind of be married to him, Safek, by doubt. But by sending these specific six pieces of barley, he was saying that you're going to be blessed with six blessings, six children. And he was trying to give Naomi a moral boost that her family was not like Karet, God forbid, cut off from the nation of Israel. They would have the opportunity of continuing and again, Boaz has a lot of Ruach HaKodesh and that's why we'll end with the Zerah Shimshon. I just wanted to say two more ideas from the Maharal and the Ramchal and Rav Sadok, if you allow me. The second part of the class, we want to say the question is, why do we read Megillat Ruth on Shavuot? What does that have to do with accepting the Torah? So the Maharal says a fascinating idea. He says, we pray every day for the righteous that they should be alive and well. It says, We pray for the pious, the chasidim, the righteous, and the Gerait Sedek, like root. Root is that personification, that poster child, that 
sterling example of somebody that joins Judaism just for altruistic and motives, not for any exterior motives of just re- re- marrying a Jewish, Jewish doctor or lawyer, because when she joined Judaism, she was a beggar. And like we just said that, even though she had some rich family members, Boaz, as much as he wanted to help her, was worried about the halakhic ramifications, and she would just, you know, like a beggar, go and take the leftover stalks of wheat and barley in Boaz's field. The Maharal says that when we pray for the righteous, why do we have to stick the righteous converts between the pious and the sadikim? So the Maharal says something really, really amazing. He says, this world, it says in Kabbalah, is the world of darkness. The next world is the world of truth. This world, there's so much falsehood. Unfortunately, we see a lot of people that lie and cheat are well respected just because they have a lot of money. So it says that in this world that has so much earthly pleasures, the Maharal explains, a Sadiq really doesn't... It's like he's on foreign soil. He's like on enemy territory. He doesn't have home court advantage. So he doesn't belong because this world has so much temptation and there's so much darkness in it and so much sin. Like we know there's Sin City, the most fit, famous um, vacation spot that, that gets the most tourists in the United States. So a Sadiq person is out of place. It says the same thing the, with a convert. A convert also, he, he, he's from another nation. Just it's, That's why we have to be so sensitive and loving towards them. That a convert really he doesn't really belong in this world in, as, as part of the Jewish nation. He really had to sacrifice a lot. So that, why, do we, why do we read this? Megillat Rut on Shavuot. It's to tell us this, that just like God gave us the Torah, the Torah really, the angels argued, belongs in heaven. But Moshe Rabbeinu was, ex- was able to explain to God and the angels that no, you guys don't have a father and mother, you don't have an evil inclination, this whole world is about a test. So the same thing is like this, Just like a convert has to sacrifice so much in order to persevere to become a Jew. It's it's really from his childbirth, he doesn't belong as a Jew. Like he can't say the bracha, Baruch atah Hashem lukenu melcha olam shalo asani goy. Because he was created by God originally as a goy. He's on foreign territory. But he loves God so much that he broke 
through his natural tendency to come and cling on as a Jew, just like Yitro did. The same thing is with us. We have to know the Torah, we cannot, we cannot acquire it through osmosis. Just like Ruth had to break through and go against her natural tendency, even though they gave her great-grandson so much torment over her conversion because they said, he's not a real Jew, and then Shmuel Hanavi proved that it's Halacha Moshe Misinai that they're allowed to convert. And this really, Rab Moshe Chaim Lutzato, the Ramchal, says that that's why, by the way, we need to study Torah so much. Because this world, we do not have home court advantage. The body is lazy, the body is animalistic. And so many of our friends and society are only thinking about money, money, and pleasure. So the same way, the Torah can only be acquired if we're like root. We go against our nation. The Torah is not going to come after us. If we go on pilot, autopilot, we're just going to stay like animalistic. But this is the reason why on Pesach we bring Omer, which is from barley. But on Shavuot we bring wheat and bread. Wheat is the food of humans. Barley is the food of animals. Through us accepting the Torah, we give legitimacy that we're godly and angelic. And I just want to leave you with a fascinating idea why Megillat Ruth is read. The Rambam says almost 42 places in Torah Nevim Ketuvim, the Torah says we have to respect and love the convert. And actually you have to love him double. Because it says love the convert and you have to love a fellow Jew. So he's a Jew. And Rav, I saw Rav Sadok, I was on a spiritual high for a week from this Rav Sadok. He says, why when Moshe Rabbeinu was able through hologram to go see the leaders of every generation, he saw that there was going to be a person named Rabbi Akiva that was so sophisticated that he was able, even able to explain the reasons for the crowns on the letters of the Torah. So then, Kabbalistically, they say, how could it be that Moshe Rabbeinu thought that he was inferior to Rabbi Akiva? Why would Rabbi Akiva be, which, you know, Rabbi Akiva, by the way, is also was the child of a convert. And Rav Sadok says, the most important thing, God rewards us according to our sacrifice. Like we said in Pirkei Avot last week. Kefum Sara Agra. The more we toil and break our back, back-breaking labor to do a mitzvah, the more we get rewarded. This is why the Rav Sadak HaKohen says, which Jew had to sacrifice the most to be committed to the Torah and mitzvahs? A ger, a convert. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu was perplexed when he saw Rabbi Akiva was so sophisticated that he was able to 
explain even the crowns of the Torah, because Kabbalistically they say in a certain way, in the oral Torah, Rabbi Akiva is kind of like equal to the Moshe Rabbeinu, he's kind of like the Moshe Rabbeinu of the oral Torah. Of course, nobody in prophecy is greater than Moshe, but he explains so eloquently, and it makes so much sense that we have to appreciate who did the most backbreaking labor, abandoned all his old lifestyle, abandoned all his family, abandoned everything. Who sacrifices the most to get close to God? It's the convert. That's why we have to respect them. And we, we hope and wish that everybody has a meaningful Shavuot. Please don't forget that even though uh, I am not aware of any place that has not learning, but if you have throughout your life stayed up the whole night, it's a mitzvah to continue to do that. The Arizal says you get 70 blessings. And may God bless all the Jewish nation with 70 blessings. And we hope the child of Ruth, David Melech Israel, our Mashiach, comes very soon. Thank you for listening and watching, and have a wonderful day. Good class, already. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Elijah. Um, so hopefully we can see you on... Uh,